Did you ever make a mistake in your life and wished, ah, I wish I had a second chance? We all have regrets, experiences where we wish we could turn the clock back and do it over again. Do people deserve a second chance? That's the topic we will be addressing. Whether we deserve it, and even if we do, can we do anything to actually have a second chance in our lives over things that happened in the past? Please join me. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson. We will be speaking about do people deserve a second chance. This program is dedicated in honor of Judith Belts, a special friend. May she have a speedy and complete healing. Do people deserve a second chance? Rarely is there a person who can say that everything they did was perfect in their lives. And they wish... They, they don't wish that they needed to redo anything. The fact is, I'm sure you can ask yourself this question, did you ever make a mistake and then feel, oh, I wish I had a second chance. I wish I could redo it again. I said something to someone. I wish I said it differently. I did something. Well, the usual response is, time flows in one direction, past, present, future, and you can't go back into the past. You can perhaps make amends. You can uh, ask for forgiveness. You can try to do better. But a second chance, especially when it comes to more serious issues, many of us actually think, you know, we lost the opportunity. How many of us who had idealism, idealism, whether it was in personal life, a romantic vision for yourself, other aspirations, dreams that were dashed. And then you say to yourself, you know, it was a nice dream, a nice thought, but I am no longer capable of doing that. Some of us feel this was a fantasy in the first place. But regardless, very few feel that you can actually rewire yourself, and truly have a second chance. Well, we're going to discover that not only do we deserve a second chance, we actually can create a new reality for ourselves. But it requires work. Like anything, it doesn't come easily. It's not automatic. You can't just press a button and say, okay, let's redo, take two, as you would do in a film. This requires deeper probing, evaluating, introspection, soul-searching, and accessing deeper resources. Do people deserve a second chance? Again, the natural response is, you had your chance, you messed it up, and that's it. I mean, I've heard sometimes horror stories of children growing up in homes that were really dysfunctional, abusive, 
and people and, and a child growing up in a home like that often feels actually that they're damaged goods. They were made to feel worthless to the point of self-loathing. And when you speak to a person like that, your heart goes out. You cry for them. Because very often they tell you, I, to me it's too late. You know, I envy those that grew up in beautiful homes. I'm damaged. Damaged goods. Those are the words. When you hear that, and you say, but you're not. Your experiences don't define you. Yeah, but that's how I see myself. I see my, who wants me? I'm worthless. I don't have any value. This all goes in the broader sense. Obviously, this is a more extreme situation of the question of second chances. So let's begin with a story. This is a biblical story that actually read in the weekly Torah portion that's read every week, 52 weeks a year, corresponding, there are 52 chapters. So this is an interesting story that we didn't read, we read, it's not read this, but it's about a day this week. It's called Pesach Sheni, the second Passover. On the 14th of the year, which was on this past Monday. And the story goes like this. When the Jews left Egypt, so one of the ways of celebrating and commemorating the great miracle of their redemption was that they brought a Paschal lamb, they brought a carbon Pesach, they brought an offering. Now, so not everybody was able to bring that offering for different reasons. So, as time passed, and now it was already a month later, so those that were unable to bring that offering felt deprived of that gift. So they came to Moses and said to him, please, give us a chance, a second chance, to bring this offering. And Moses obviously answered, the time passed. It's for Passover on the 15th of Nisan, the 14th and 15th of Nisan. But they insisted and they cried out with pain. They used the word Laman Nigara. Why should we be deprived? Why should we be less than others? Why should we be lacking? Well, that pierced Moses' heart. It pierced heaven. And God said to Moses, give them a second chance. Give them an opportunity. A month later, on the 14th of year, a month after Passover, we'll call it the second Passover, where they can bring an offering. So if anyone from here on, and this became a law throughout the generations, during the time of the temple. If anyone was unable to bring that offering for whatever reason, because they were impure, or because they were distant, they were not close to the temple, here you have the opportunity. The Hasidic masters turned this into a whole doctrine. A doctrine called, in Yiddish, nothing is ever lost. You always have a second chance. Based on this, you can develop an entire psychology. Because most of us, if not all of us, even hopeful people, even optimistic people, positive people, don't feel that you can really rewrite the past. You can correct it. You can make amends if you hurt someone or caused any damage. But if you, if you, were, if you were lacking something, you're lacking something. You can compensate for it. But this comes to tell us that you actually can recreate something, but the requirement is that you're able to cry out. What is the significance of crying out? 
It's not the cry. It's that it bothers you enough. Human beings are capable of far more than we can imagine. If someone were to ask you, what is your potential like? Your resources. The answer you can give, and the only answer you can give, is only based on what you have observed and what you've experienced. You can talk about things that you said, you know, here was a situation, a challenge, I dug deeper and I found resources within myself. But you can't talk about things that you haven't yet discovered within you. How many talents, how much potential lies buried within our spirits? A person doesn't know how strong they are until they're challenged. The expression goes, I think it was said about women, but you could really say it about all people, that women are like a tea bag. You don't know how strong they are until you put them into hot water. In the words of the Talmud, that you don't see the oil of an olive until you press it. So pressure, deadlines, challenges, resistance, sometimes crisis. When I say sometimes, I mean to say we don't need to depend on a crisis. But often crisis and trauma bring out deeper resources because we want to deal with the challenge. Comfort zones are the exact opposite. When you're comfortable, you will go into basically cruise mode, automatic pilot. So though nobody likes a challenge and nobody likes pressure, but that's where we grow. And that's where we discover things about ourselves that we would never know on our own. If we never left home, if you were always protected and nurtured, by your parents, and never went to summer camp or school, or ultimately grew older and moved out to live among strangers, among others, yes, even in a hostile environments where people, strangers, you don't know who they are, you really would never develop and be able to spread your wings. So ask yourself the question, where do we stand in this regard? How sheltered are we? How protected are we? which is beautiful to have protection, not just beautiful, necessary. But a bird has to leave its nest and has to one day fly. And that flying depends, yes, on a certain risk, going into a world where you don't have the certain unknowns and uncertainties. And you don't know who's your friend and who's a predator and who's trying to take advantage. But in the process, you become a greater human being. It's a simple truth that all growth follows some form of challenge. So when we talk about second chance, it's not just a question, okay, you did it wrong again. The real question is, what are we made of? There's an interesting expression in the book of Kehelet, which is Ecclesiastes, that says the following. It's a very pessimistic statement, as much of that book sounds, at least at the surface level. A generation comes and a generation goes, and there's nothing new under the sun. Meaning, as some cynics put it, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So that idea of hope that tomorrow will be a better day, it's a cycle. The seasons come and go, and generations come and go, and nothing is new under the sun. It's a very uh, despondent way of looking at life. Now, what are you looking forward to? Whatever you look forward to just has been here already. And what's the response to that so-called depressing attitude? The answer is that perhaps under the sun you're right, but not above the sun. 
of course, figuratively speaking. Nothing new under the sun, meaning nothing new on earth when you look with those eyes. But then you see magic in people's lives. You see love. You see people doing things that are noble, that are angelic, that are life-changing. And it suddenly gives you a renewed sense of hope. Why? Because that person has dug deeper. They did not surrender to the comings and goings of nature, the cycles of the seasons, the generations, but discovered a source of energy which you can connect to, plug into, and that gives you a whole different approach to life. Now, some of us pick that up from family, or we just may have that wiring, but very often we're exposed in a world to a world that doesn't teach us that. It actually reinforces the, the cynical view, the, the, the hopeless view, if you wish. I don't want to say hopeless, that's a strong word, but the view that, hey, don't, don't create great expectations because they usually won't be met. If you've been around people who, on the contrary, always had expectations and always looked up to the stars and beyond, obviously it has a deep impact on us. But society in general, for whatever reason, especially in our, com- in our comfort the world, comfortable world, yes, COVID and the pandemic has definitely shaken up and disrupted the systems and causing many of us to dig deeper. But in general, the comforts of our lives, and thank God that we not, don't need to fight wars and don't need to run for our lives. And th- though there are personal struggles, but generally speaking, the level of health and Life expectancy, the life expectancy, how long we live, longevity, standard of living, is far better than it ever was. There's a certain apathy that settles in, which immediately feeds into, you know, why, why go greater than I have to? I'll do whatever I can. And perhaps we may invest when it comes to things like making money, and other experiences like that. But in our personal lives, in our personal growth, actualizing our potential, if there's no need, why push yourself? And that, of course, creates a situation, an attitude, and a perspective that doesn't really force you to go dig deeper. That crying out, why am I deprived, why am I lacking, that lack, that vacuum, is actually the catalyst for tremendous growth. So it wasn't just, okay, God was nice and Moses was empathetic and will give you a second chance. It was, they created that second chance. And you and I can do the same. But you have to feel a very sincere and a very passionate wish to grow and to repair. Which brings me to the story that I often share, to me is one of the most powerful stories the story of when the Jewish people built the golden calf. Only 39 days after the revelation at Sinai when they were told do not have other gods. And it was a deliberate mutiny, a deliberate criminal act. And though they deserved what they deserved, Moses did not give up on them. He went back for a second chance. 80 days he spent. 
the Bible tells us, the Torah tells us, arguing with God, pleading, beseeching, begging, yes, crying out, please give them a second chance. And essentially paraphrasing, what was his statement? He says, human beings are not perfect. You know that. You created them not perfect. They will make mistakes. What do you expect? Perfection? Yes, accountability. Trust is not built on perfection. It's built on accountability. They will need to be accountable. But so do you have to be accountable in a certain way. You need to be able to give them hope. You can't say, look, you made a mistake. Even if it was a deliberate mistake, it's too late. A human being must have hope. The greatest gift, if you were offered two options, to have a perfect life with no setbacks, no disappointments, no losses, or option two, that you may have setbacks, but you're given the strength to deal with any challenge. Which would you choose? So, of course, the initial knee-jerk reaction, the immature reaction would be option one. Give me a perfect life. Why do I need to have challenges? But we know that's not realistic. I understand I'm offering that option, but it's a hypothetical. You want the second option. You want to say, just give me the tools to navigate through anything. Allow me to become a great swimmer so no matter what happens, even when a storm comes, I can make it through. That's a far greater blessing. Yes, of course, in the fantasy of each one of us, we'd love to have a, a life completely seamless perfect life without any challenge, without any worries or concerns. But imagine being able to be told that no matter what concern comes your way, you have the tools to deal with it. Then you have something that's ironclad. Because if you were given the perfect life, it's a gift. And someone can still say, you know what? Maybe something will happen, and what will you do then? It's all fine while I'm living in paradise. Whereas option two says doesn't matter. Wherever you are, there's nothing to be afraid because you have the resources. This is the single most important thing we need to recognize and always remember and instill in our children is to know challenges will come your way. I am not promising you that everything is going to go smoothly. But I am telling you, I'm promising you that you have everything you need to deal with any challenge no matter how difficult. So that's really the essence of a second chance. It's creating new opportunities and not giving in to a past. Now, does that mean you can actually recreate the situation? What happens if you actually hurt someone? What happens if you actually create permanent damage? So I'll discuss that in a moment shortly. I just want to continue this point. So to finish the story, Moses was demanding and that he knew the stakes. He wanted it documented forever for posterity that you can make a mistake, but there's hope. You know why Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year? It's because that's the day that he finally prevailed over God. And God says, okay, I will forgive them as you've asked. I gave them a second chance. So we have the holiest day of the year because it's the birth of hope. What would human beings be like without hope? And that, in a sense, was replayed in the Pesach Sheni story, the second Passover story. Here's not the place to go into the distinction, so why don't they learn from Yom Kippur? Because this is connected to Passover, not just connected to making amends and starting anew. Here is also they wanted to experience transcendence, because that's what Passover is about. So even though they didn't have that opportunity initially, but because they cried out, because it bothered them enough to dig deeper, they were given the strength 
to actually be able to achieve that which, which at the time they were unable to, they didn't have that opportunity. Okay, so let's go back to the question that I asked. That's fine, it's all nice in concept, but let's be practical. A human being hurt another human being. Let's say in marriage, they got divorced. And, you, and years passed and you realize, you know what, I really was the one that, I was one at fault. I made the other person miserable. I was petty, I was narrow-minded, I was selfish. And I hurt or even destroyed another life. There are even worse scenarios, I don't even want to spell them out, where somebody hurts somebody physically, or even kills someone. I, hear, I did spell it out, because I just wanted to make the point. What kind of second chance is there? You've per permanently altered a person's life and their family and so on. So obviously, if a person is, God forbid, in an accident, and a part of their body is injured or severed, not everything grows back. There are things, there's a healing immunity system and a healing system within the body where things will regenerate and you can come back stronger than ever. But there are times that's not that way. So obviously we're not here, I'm not here to say that when you say a second chance, you can get, you can grow back a severed uh, arm, again, God forbid. However, you can grow back a strength that you wouldn't have had without that accident. So this isn't about a magical formula where little, everything goes back. We're not talking about in that terms, in those terms. We're talking about what it does to you. Does it demoralize you and you feel, you know, from here on, I am a handicapped person. From here on, I am lacking something. Or you continuously remember that there's the strengths within you that you may not be aware of initially that can not only compensate but actually create something greater. But you hurt another person. It's one thing, yourself, you find deeper strengths, but you hurt another person. Well, besides making amends, there are some scenarios where you can perhaps commit yourself and say, I'm going to establish, and I'm going to try to reach out to that person that I hurt, and I want to, in their honor, dedicate that I'm from here on going to help people in, in distressed marriages to make sure they don't do what I did. And if you end up helping people and preventing damage others may do the same way you may have done it so it does not redeem you still hurt that person but you've created something in this world that is as powerful if not more powerful than the hurt so in other words you brought a new energy into existence now your your ex-spouse who was hurt may say that's very nice it's very very noble of you but you know what you hurt me so that person, you can't speak for them. They will have to grow through that, what they have to grow, which is a discussion, another discussion. They also have a second chance because they're not anybody's victim. Obviously, the person who heard them can't be the one making that statement. But this concept we're talking about is not just the person who did the hurting, it's also the person who was on the receiving end. You're not defined by, your, by the abuse that happened to you, even if it completely was not your fault. I have seen with my own eyes people who've hurt, been hurt in ways that unspeakable. And some, yes, suffer deeply. And some have grown in ways that, I must tell you, I'm in awe when I see their refinement, their sensitivity, their compassion. And they have changed the world. They changed me. 
Not only did I learn from it, it changed my life when I've seen things like this. And I'm not talking about myself, I'm just using myself as an example. Now, would I wish they never happened in the first place? That we didn't need the second balance, the second chance? Of course. But after the fact, what happened was, like anyone in recovery will tell you, some will even say, I don't, I, I don't feel bad that it happened. Because it actually taught me something about myself, and I learned something that I would never have learned without it. That's a very strong statement. I always challenge it because that's hard for me to, to fathom. But there are people who say that. And I say, but you suffered so greatly. Wouldn't you wish that it didn't happen? Can't explain it, people tell me. But I don't want to even go that far. That's also true. I'm talking about, even on a more obvious level, where you see a level of, uh, of a deeper resources that have emerged due to the situation. And that's the second chance. So it's not like a game where you have, like I said before with a film, okay, it didn't work out the first take, let's do a second take. You know, it reminds me, of course, the, the classic story they tell in recovery. So this guy lived a life of, uh, like the Dorian Gray story, a life of selfishness, lewdness, um, complete free abandon, hurt people, and uh, he got away with it. He had his charm and his manipulations. He was able to get away with a life that was really a criminal life, taking advantage of people, using them. Well, finally his day comes. He comes up to heaven, standing before the heavenly court. And they present the case against him. And what is he supposed to say? He says, what can I tell you? I don't really have an answer. I have no excuse. I knew better, but I was enjoying myself. At the expense of others often. But before there's the final ruling in the heavenly court, they tell him to wait out in the heavenly chamber, the outer, the outer hall. And he's waiting there, somber, somewhat down, crestfallen. You know, now he has to pay his dues for everything he did in his life. And hey, suddenly a, a gentleman comes over to him, who we shall call the angel of darkness. There are many different names given for this gentleman. He says to him, why are you so down? So he tells him, I lived a life of debauchery and all kinds of other corruption. And now they're uh, about to give me my ruling. He says, what if I offer you something? I'll let you go back and have a second chance. Let you go back down to earth. Really? You can do that? He said, yeah, but you have one condition. You have to give me your soul. Your soul belongs to me. Now this fellow was not stupid. He says to him, oh, yeah, you'll send me back down. I won't remember this moment, and I'll do everything again. I meet a condition to send me back, but I want to remember all the events that I did in my life, the consequences, our conversation. Because if not, I'll just repeat it all. Angel of Darkness says, no problem. Here, here's a contract. All the promises, you go back. Well, he goes back down to earth. Gets a second chance. <laughs> remembers everything, and what happens? What do you think? He does everything exactly the same way again, even though he remembered it. That's human nature. We think, for whatever reason, we fantasize. There are moments of truth, and then when things get back normal, we just gravitate back to our old, in this case, corrupt self. So in recovery, they say, don't get overconfident. Just because you remember what happened, when things get better, you may say, you let your guard down. You just return to where you began. 
you need to always be vigilant. So second chance is not about signing a contract with someone, okay, let's do it over again. It's about a deeper look. You're now approaching your life in a second chance way. You're giving yourself a second chance. You're digging deeper. You're committing to a life that is different than what you had. You learned from it. The concept of tshuva in Hebrew, which means return, is when a person atones for a past and returns to their essence. So there's an interesting condition. Atonement or making amends. It's not just enough, I regret what happened and I'm sorry. If the same situation comes up again, you don't do it again. That's how it has to be. It's not just, okay, I'm sorry, I move on. But then the situation comes again, and you do exactly make the same mistake again. That's not, the, that's not the way it works. You become a different human being, and that condition or that situation comes up again. No, you won't do it again. You've really learned from your experience, and you're able to teach it to others. That's the fascinating concept of being able to be allowed to rewrite your script in your life. So still, this doesn't take away from the hurt, doesn't take away all the amends that have to be done, but inside your own spirit, you're not just, it's not business as usual. You have become a changed person. You dug deeper, and you found resources, and you very well remember what happened, and you learned from it. That's how we redeem it. You learn from it. There's an expression. We transform transgressions into merits. Not just we erase the transgressions. Not just we forget about it, we move on. There's an element of moving on, not being haunted by it, where it completely demoralizes you. But there's another side to it. You want it to remain. You want to be able to redeem those sparks and turn them into a catalyst of tremendous growth. It's not common, but we hear stories like that. We hear criminals, others who rehabilitated themselves, and they became tremendous beacons of light. So the ultimate story is, not only do we deserve a second chance, we have it within our capacity all the time. No matter who you are, no matter what has happened, you're able to, yes, recreate yourself. But for that, you have to go above the sun. You can't be, allow yourself to be subject to the elements of the natural cycles. You need to dig deeper and find superhuman resources, which are there, but they take work, and they take sincerity, and they take crying out, and looking inside yourself, Lama Negara, why am I deprived? And not in a selfish way, deprived, why don't I get the gifts that others have? Why am I not able to go there? Why was I deprived of that opportunity? And now I'm ready to receive it because I'm ready to do things differently. Not only that, I'm ready to transform what I learned. People who've been hurt in life, people who have hurt others in life, though we would have preferred it shouldn't be that way, but they have something unique right now. What did you learn from this? How can you help others in that same situation not to do what you did? What did you learn about the human condition? What did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about others? Make sure you declare that. You announce it. You use it in your life experiences. Teach people. Inspire. 
How much you want to share? It's your business. But the point is, allow those negative experiences to inform you and inform others what can be done, how great a human being can become after they've suffered or have made someone else suffer through duress. And greatness will come out of it. Now you'll say, you may not believe it. Well, yes, it does require a measure of belief, but we also have evidence. We see it all the time. As I mentioned, everything great grows out of some form of paradigm shift where a previous state has to decay. A seed needs to decay in the ground before it gives birth to a beautiful tree. Everything great will come through a vacuum, a shift, and sometimes through, yes, a crisis, a trauma, a loss, a mistake, advertent or inadvertently. But the bottom line is that there lie deeper strengths beneath the surface that can emerge and that we are compelled, behooves us to emerge when we've been in that situation. So when you see yourself and you ask yourself, well, are things in my life that I'd like to correct, I'd like to do differently, you absolutely have the opportunity to do so. Is it going to be exactly the same script with the same person? That may be possible, may not be possible. But in your state of mind and your heart and your soul, you definitely have that capacity. But you need to dig deeper and you need to apply yourself and take it seriously. I'll conclude with a blessing. May all the challenges that we have experienced in life, the setbacks, the disruptions, the errors, mistakes, misdemeanors, transgressions, may they serve as catalysts, may they serve as springboards to help us dig deeper inside ourselves, find greater strengths, and with the least amount of aggravation grow into becoming great people, become a great person. You see, when things are going in a smooth, normal way, it doesn't force you to go out of the box. But when things go wrong, it compels you, initially from a, the negative way, to go out of the norm. And when you do that, you can achieve greatness that you would never have achieved without it. May you all be blessed. May we all <laughs> have the least amount of agony or anxiety but always know that it can bring us to the greatest levels of being who you are meant to be. To be greater than you can never imagine. An honor as always sharing a few words with you. Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center. Go to MeaningfulLife.com. If you want to watch this program again, please share it, please forward it, subscribe, and above all, please communicate. Love to hear from you. Love to hear your feedback. Love to hear your comments. Critique, positive suggestions. And may we all be the greatest we can possibly be. Thank you so much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.